0: Hello, everybody. Kirk Henderson and Josh Bowe back with you once again for our third and final player review-based podcast. Josh, how are you?
1: I'm doing pretty good. Uh, Judging by your tweets before we started recording, you're feeling pretty good, too, aren't you?
0: Yeah, you know. Well... (laughs) I'm just teasing. uh, You know, I I had a couple... uh, You have large dogs like me, and... I had this incident with my, with my lovely idiot huck dog today, who is, he's just the nicest guy, but something pissed him off on our walk today. And he went kind of berserk, like at another dog. And I didn't have him on the normal kind of like, like, you know, the collar and the, or the, you know, what do you want to call it? Harness that would restrain him. I just had him on like a normal collar. So he was kind of losing his mind. And I had to like, when he was a puppy, I used to have to, my wife and I used to have to pick him up and hold him like like a child and and he was i had to do that today and i was not prepared so like i wrenched my back and i'm like i don't want to do so you know self-medication is is really the best way forward but i have a pickle too
1: so i know how that goes sometimes sometimes they're a little moody
0: they're so and now that he's like six or seven he's basically behaving like an old man on the internet and (laughs) i i just don't know how to deal with him some days but you know, we've we've done three of these podcasts now. We're going to do – or uh, two of these podcasts. We're going to do a third. We're not going to cover the entire roster with this just because there's a few guys like, for example, uh, Courtney Lee, where I don't have anything to say, and I don't know <laughs> if you do. It was just kind of, you know, I wanted to really talk about the guys who made either impacts or didn't make an impact in such a way that made it worth covering. And so, you know, we've covered nine guys so far – We're going to talk about another five right now. That'll be 14 guys. I think there were something like 18 guys in the roster. You know, we'll all look up, you know, the entire thing. We can go over that at the end. But to get right into it, I really wanted to start uh, talking about, you know, a midseason addition in Willie Cauley-Stein. Willie Cauley-Stein did not play many games for the Mavericks this year, and he also opted out of the playoff bubble which puts him in kind of a unique circumstance. He only played 13 minutes or 13 games with the Mavericks, 12 minutes and had an average essentially five points and five rebounds a game. But he's, he's such a physical specimen, a huge guy and athletic, you know, he came out of the university of Kentucky that I, I just wanted to talk about him because I think, his his future or maybe lack of future with the Mavericks is really interesting compared to you know the limited but interesting impact he had on the Mavericks season.
1: Yeah, uh it's hard to you know he didn't he like you said he didn't play a lot and I believe he has a player option for next mm-hmm. season and it's not like a huge one. Uh I mean it's like what like 2 2 or 3 million somewhere in yep. that range. So what's really interesting is like he didn't really do anything this season so it wouldn't be shocking if he just opted in and avoided what is going to be like a really weird off season, and just be like you know what I'll just I'll take this money hopefully be able to play a full season on a good team and then get a better contract next year because like if he opts out I don't know what kind of contract he would expect uh, considering the season he had was very just nondescript but yeah, he was he was needed because, you know, Dwight Powell got hurt and, you know, you can't play Boban 25 minutes in a game because he's too big. So it, he's one of the guys that I've always kind of thirsted after when he was in Sacramento and when he was in college because he really is like – he felt like he was going to be Tyson Chandler 2.0, just his body type and his athleticism as a center and his defensive potential. And he hasn't really – you know, he's clearly not lived up to that um, – he's interesting dude. Uh, he played well enough for the Mavericks. Uh I think we both predicted he would get sent to the phantom zone like Nerlens Noel pretty quickly by Rick Carlisle. And you know, he wasn't as, and that wasn't totally accurate but not too far off cuz he wasn't really like a big rotation guy for them when he played in those 13 games, but Right. Uh he shot over 70 Percent from the field, so he kind of knew his role in that sense. He got he was his rebounding was pretty decent, considering how many minutes he played per game. Uh, so I don't know, it's it's weird, you know. With Powell having the Achilles injury, you would imagine he's not going to be a hundred percent whenever the season starts up again, uh, and you have to imagine, you know, he's going to never get to where he was before because we know what Achilles do to guys. So does that mean he need like the Mavericks kind of need him? And I think that's going to be the big question this off
0: Right. Right. And, you know, looking at his game log, there's a chunk of games following the all-star break where he was inactive. And, you know, I'm not going to look this up right now because I don't want to, I don't want to inadvertently dip into like rumors, but he was like, let, he was allowed to be away from the team for multiple games for, as a result of like a personal matter. So uh, the reason I mentioned that is I think the 13 game total that he played for the Mavericks is a little bit misleading, because I think he probably would have played closer to 18 to 20 had he actually yeah. been available for those games, because like you said, the Mavericks needed him. And, you know, I, I'm going to be particularly curious to see what he does. The Mavericks, I don't know why they're doing PR for him, but they've been posting these videos of him taking jump shots and he, <laughs> he's, and he, he's he been, you know, retweeting and sharing comments. Like they say, I'm not a shooter. Well, bub, I'm here to tell you, you're not a shooter because there's a very big difference between making shots and being a shooter. And his windup is like something out of, out of like a bull Durham pitching sequence. (laughs) It is awful. I mean, I know awful shots. I have one and it's just really, he's, it's, it's funny that, that so many big guys are just like this because. Playing in a Maverick-based offense, and and you know we'll probably talk about this a little more when we get to Powell and maybe KP. But the ability to roll to the basket is a skill. It is not something a lot of bigs are good at. And I don't know how I feel about Willie because Coll- Willie Cauley Stein didn't show me enough to really justify anything along those lines, except for the one game against the Charlotte uh, Hornets where he went seven for seven from the field. Like that was kind of it.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you just the the thing that you hope is that if he stays, he turns into like a Brandon Wright story where you know that wasn't Brandon Wright's game coming out of college, also a lottery pick that didn't pan out with the team that drafted him. And you just you wonder if he's if he does opt in and he stays and he's on the team next year, like I'm gonna I'm gonna imagine the Mavericks coaching staff is gonna be like, look, you've been in the league, you know, handful of years, you know you've been passed up on by two teams, one that drafted you it in, in with a very, you know, valuable high Number value six overall. Pick. Right. Yeah. So like, Hey, if you want to stay in this league, cause you're obviously talented, uh, you're, you know, look at Dwight, look at what we've done with these bigs. Look at what they get paid after what we do to them. That's true. Uh, and you can, you can get a con, you can get four for 37. You can get a three for 33 deal. If you, play into your strengths here and you become this type of player which you're very capable of doing so i wonder if he sticks around i gotta imagine that's gotta be the the mavericks coaching staff like that's what they have to try to get through to him is that he could do this and he could be a very valuable player and, and a useful piece but he's gotta he's gotta want to have the mindset to become that player because you know it sounds like you know selfish on his part if he doesn't but man you know he played at kentucky he was a top 10 pick like it's it's hard for guys to accept that, uh, Mm -hmm. that mindset. Like it's not an easy, it's not an easy thing, you know, when you think that you can do something, when you can do more. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, That'll be something, that'll be something definitely to watch coming the season because he'll need to probably do it because I, I don't know how ready Powell will be whenever the games start back up again.
0: I hope he's, I hope he opts in because First of all, as I'm kind of a proponent of of the strategy of, you know, big men are are replaceable in the current NBA. Yeah. Understanding that, seven-foot-tall, 240-pound big men are not. There is a host of guys that are 6'8 to 6'11 in the NBA who are not great. His size and his build, like, he – I, I'm just impressed by him physically. He's an incredible athlete, so mm-hmm. I, I sort of hope that he sticks around just to see, you know, what more opportunity could do for him. But I I, I worry that there's there's just kind of the, the you know the big man syndrome that a lot of guys have. Nerlens Noel, another Kentucky big, is a great example of this of a guy who you know just because you can do more doesn't mean that's your best use. And committing to a role would be would be very you know helpful for him i mean he's 27 years old um it's it's really it's it's really interesting it's really interesting to me if he understands exactly where he is in his career arc um the next guy we're going to pivot to who did i have here oh (laughs) your favorite my favorite uh we're going to be talking about a second straight king's draft pick in justin jackson uh, so Justin Jackson just created his.
1: Is it great that the Mavericks have this collection of Kings like washouts? Like what? that's kind of well, I mean, weird. Between
0: the Knicks and the Kings, it's like they're <laughs> it's like they're playing Dark Souls. It's like their feeder like, system. Yeah, like what are we doing? Like let's just up our difficulty level by by <laughs> taking these really questionable guys and making them like. What if just what if they selected and found good players themselves? We'll be talking about the NBA draft in the coming days. Please tune back in to Mavs Moneyball for more. But Justin Jackson is their 25-year-old small forward who they acquired as part of the Harrison Barnes trade last year. He spent 65 games with the Mavericks this year and posted career lows across the board. Um, I don't understand Justin Jackson. He is a NBA-bodied player. Who just doesn't seem to have a fit in the NBA, like let alone the Mavericks. He is not a professional basketball player or at least he wasn't in 2019, 2020. What do you think?
1: Yeah, um, I think to start off with because we're probably gonna get really, you know we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna go in, uh, you know, and it's not even like being mean. It's just when you say yeah. the numbers, it sounds mean, but the numbers are the numbers, you know. Uh, so, I will preface this with saying that he is a really good dude uh, and he great dude, yeah, and he's very near to my heart because I believe he's a very strong advocate of uh, kids with Down syndrome, and my uh, younger brother has Down syndrome, so that's a very personal thing to me that I'm glad he supports I, I can't remember if he has a sibling or a family member that has Down syndrome, but for whatever reason he's a big you know supporter uh of of the of Down syndrome. Uh, kids and like, I love that. So, like, obviously, like a tremendous guy in the locker room and, and, and all that stuff. So, like, really good dude. And honestly, it's not like his fault in a weird way because I don't know what the Mavericks and what some media people were thinking. By pump, like, I don't think Justin Jackson was asking people to say that he's going to be the fifth starter.
0: And like, that was more Cuban. Yeah. Mark like, Cuban did that. <laughs> I was I was floored when I went and found that research and he's like people are misunder uh, underestimating what what Jackson can do on both sides of the ball. That was Cuban blowing smoke. We should have known then.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah, and that's I mean didn't we kind of know? <laughs> like I think mm-hmm. we did be kind of yeah. knew. But like that's not his fault. Like the expectations from that were given from the Mavericks were just they were so outrageous that there was no way he was like like just look at his career arc you know he hasn't been in the league for a ton of time but like it just it felt like just a recipe for disaster in terms of like a fan backlash cuz he has become like right or wrong he has become like the whipping boy from whenever the mavericks do bad uh and like that's not fair to him because it's not like he came out of the summer being like yeah i'm going to be a start like you know he you know obviously he's going to say good things about his game but he was the smoke puffing was definitely more from from the mavericks side trying to trying to build him into something that he wasn't and that's not yeah. fair to him
0: yeah but, and you know it's very interesting because he has a player option for next year which he's probably going to opt into yeah. and it's likely that he is part of the mavericks again and he wasn't playing by the end of the bubble. He, he played spot minutes in the playoffs, really, in the games where they were nearly you know, giving up. Uh, I don't expect him to be a part of any rotation next year. His salary is going to be close to $5 million, which makes him – you know, you, you package his size, his purported skill set and these things. There's I bet the Mavericks get some team to bite on him in, in some sort of like trade scenario, just because I I wonder, you know, Rick Carlisle is just so hard on certain types of players. He doesn't mesh with them. And, and, you know, I just wonder if he's a guy who needs another situation. I don't think that's the case, but maybe yeah. it could be. Um mm-hmm. But in the short term, he's likely to be a Maverick heading into next season unless they manage to do something on draft night uh, just with his rights and such. But, I mean, it's it's going to be an interesting situation. You know, I'm going to have to kind of get used to it. Uh, in terms of what you had mentioned earlier, I, I wanted to bring it back up just because I think it's important. Jackson was uh, selected as the Mavs nominee for the October NBA Cares Community Assist award. For his continuous efforts to recognize, celebrate, and support children with Down syndrome in the North Texas area, mm-hmm. uh, there's a. I'll probably link to this article in our post just because it's like a really thorough write-up done by Tamara uh, Jolie that. Really emphasizes these sorts of things, and it's the sort of stuff you know. If 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 we had more staff with Mavs Moneyball, that I would hope we could cover more often because the kind of things the Mavericks do for the community is so cool. And like I I was kind of skimming this about this, and I remember this from back in October. And it's just it's really cool to see that you know because the guy like the thing is is like guys don't have to do this sort of stuff, and the fact that they do it anyways is what makes. A lot of these NBA players, just really impressive people. Um, so as, as mean as I am about his play, again, great dude.
1: Yeah. And and then kind of switching back gears to on the court, uh, when talking about like the expectation raised, he was never – like it's just hilarious because, like you know, there was a talk about him being the fifth starter and being all this, all this, and then opening night, he's not starting. He plays 19 minutes. Second game of the season, he plays 13 in the four October games, he averages seventeen minutes a game, and then November he's basically a spot guy. That's sometimes isn't even playing until garbage time. Like he was never. It's like the Mavericks knew. It's like the Mavericks knew, and they still blew. You know, still puffed him up. That's what you know. It's not like they they said, "Hey, he's going to be the starter," and he and he was, and then he and then he failed. He, he, it was never. It was never that case. You know, like you just look at his game log. He only really started to get heavy minutes when luca had his ankle injuries and they just they had to have bodies to play on the wing uh so like that it just felt really out of that that part of it is just kind of gross because that's that's the kind of stuff that like that makes fans turn against him and that makes him opening up his social media an absolute nightmare when if he just had a quiet summer and the mavericks didn't really say anything about him him having the season he had would be like a footnote i feel like you know instead of like the weird rage that it generated. So like, I, I, I hate that stuff. Like that sucks.
0: Well, let's pivot to a much (laughs) more mixed, but still I think interesting to talk about story in Dwight Powell who, you know, went down, you know, the, the, he's somehow he's nearly, he's 29 years old. He played 40 games with the Mavericks this year. He was a starter, kind of a linchpin as a part of their offense he averaged nine point four points and just under six rebounds a game. He tore his Achilles in Kristaps P- Porzingis first game back after a long drought. I want to say it was against the Clippers in yep, uh, January twenty first. Mm-hmm, January twenty first, and that is kind of a line of demarcation for the Mavericks season in terms of you know the kind of the pre and post Dwight era. Uh, is something that we should likely look into in terms of how the team performed and offense, defense, and all that sort of thing. And, you know, as we look at the season, as we look at the Mavericks going forward, and then as we specifically consider the Clippers series as a whole, I think it's safe to say that Dwight Powell is a very important member of the Mavericks in terms of what he brings. So what do you think?
1: Yeah, I would agree. I think in the first two weeks that he was injured and the Mavericks were kind of running wild with the Kristaps at center lineup and Kristaps was just exploding uh, in terms of his production and efficiency. It was very easy to be like, okay, well that, that's that, you know, Dwight doesn't, <laughs> Dwight doesn't have a, a place on this team like Kristaps at center is obviously the future uh, let's just go hawk wild on that. And that's where the Mavericks should invest their resources and their roster building uh, thinking uh and then I think as as that wore on, I think just the depth hit that pal gave you know Powell's injury gave them was more evident, uh especially as we got into the bubble and especially in the playoffs. so I think it's it's less like is Dwight Powell the starter? I don't know, probably not, but is Dwight Powell still useful to this team? I think like hell, yes, like when you consider just how badly they needed his movement and his verticality as a rim runner and it's and again it's not necessarily because the starting lineup with Kristaps missed him like that starting lineup was great yep. but this Mavericks team was a house of cards they were more than the sum of their parts when you've got two stars and then a bunch of role players when you remove one of those things can start toppling over as you're already overextending guys in terms of their status on the on the team you take a you know a top 5 top 6 Guy on the roster out of that, and now everyone moves up another peg that they probably Mm -hmm. shouldn't be at already. So uh, it's, I think it's clear that Powell works. You know, he's that was the big thing. Like he was good the last two, three years, uh, one of the turning himself into one of the most elite, rolling big men in the league, points per possession, scoring in the at the basket, you know, restricted area, just a monster. But you know, the Mavericks were bad, and he put up a lot of big numbers in March and April, which is when. Half the league or more just hits the snooze button. So it's like, okay, can he put up the, that same production or similar production and actually have it translate into wins? And that happened this year. I mean, that starting lineup, for as much as you know, we crow about you know how Christophs performed in it. That starting lineup was killer. Uh, mm-hmm. And and they played well, and it wasn't just offense. Like it was just it was a complete. I don't want to say complete. Like obviously Dwight struggles on defense and struggles on the boards, but you know they were winning and they were playing good basketball with Dwight Powell as a starter. Um, so like that happened, but obviously it's clear watching the playoffs, watching how they played after his injury. You know he's probably not the starter anymore, but they would he would still be a massive massive piece to come off the bench, help the bench scoring a little bit. Uh, give the bench guards uh, some more space to work with, with his room running uh, because you saw in the playoffs, like when Kristops or Luca went to the bench, like things just got really dark because it's, it's Maxi Kleba trying to, trying to do stuff that maybe he doesn't need to be doing. And uh, the spacing just cramps up a little bit. It, they just didn't have, it. they just didn't have enough. This was a team that kind of came at you in waves when they were fully healthy and Dwight being gone kind of took away from that.
0: I think one thing, if if Powell comes back, and we're just going to have to talk about this and kind of yell into the void until the fan base gets it, I think it, it his how good he was as a role man was not played up enough. There are some fun folks that I've been jabbering with on social media lately about. Oh, we got to you know making the DeAndre Drummond, or I'm sorry Andre J- Drummond jokes again. Drummond is a bad role man. There are not that many good role men in the NBA and Powell is among the best. And when you add that, that verticality to the Mavericks uh, offense, IE Luca rolling and he can do something. So right. What happened at the end of the season, when Luca drove his options were shoot pass to one corner, pass to the other corner, kick out the back. Occasionally, with how the defense would play, he would have a, a role opportunity to either pass like he did to Maxi Kleba against the Bucs uh, for that cool play, throw up an oop occasionally to Chris Stapps not who is a learning role man in himself, but there wasn't that additional play. When Powell was in with the offense, Powell is, is is you know is a different different level of responsibility. But defenses were so bothered by him that he's the one that often pulled that second defender in so that that Dorian Finney-Smith or whoever was in the opposite corner could have those shots. Is that right?
1: Yeah, yeah that's right. Uh, you can watch every when Dwight Powell rolls down to the basket. I mean, defenses have to account for him. They have to tag the weak side has to come in. And that was like, that's absolutely huge for them. They, without him, they just didn't have that at all.
0: And, and I just can't emphasize this enough because I, the way basketball is played now, there aren't a lot of bigs who do that. Let's like call back to to Willie Colley Stein a few minutes ago. The man is posting videos of him shooting jumpers. Bigs just don't do this anymore. And we're going to talk about Porzingis in a few minutes it is not in the Mavericks' best interest to have him do that all the time. Mm-hmm. I I I've, I didn't understand that until very recently. Now I do, but someone has to be that guy, and you know, even if it's it's ninety or eighty percent of Powell, that timing and understanding of where to be, that is awesome. And the Mavericks took whole advantage of it. So like Powell is just very important. And I use I'm not a Powell guy, so saying that out loud is a little painful for me.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I'm and it's, this isn't even like he needs to be on the floor in a playoff game like to close games like no, like he just needs to be a part of this for 19, 20, 25 minutes a game, some, somewhere in that range to give them that elements uh and then you know you can close the game out with Kristaps at the five and, and start games out with Kristaps at the five if you want to and you see how productive he is but it's the trickle down effect of like yeah. the bench just be like the next substitution pattern like gets thrown off because instead before when you had powell and and Christoph's healthy, you know Kristaps go to the bench and you had that really killer Powell maxi bench uh front court, and they were really gelled together they were really they played really well together they were they kind of had like each other's backs in a really fun way uh they also passed to each other pretty well like you could tell that their <clears throat> off the court relationship like kind of bled into their on court play yeah. um so like yeah like it's cuz I know people are going to try to kill us and be like well like, they're not going to win with Dwight Powell as their starting center and like we're not saying that that that's what needs to happen he just right. he needs to be a part of this thing until they can find something someone better that can do what he can do better and do other things but for the time being like he's he's going to be a useful player for this team. Yep. As long as Achilles doesn't kill him.
0: Like that's yeah. that's the scare. Cool. We'll find out about that relatively quickly because that's something you either have or you don't. Um, And and that's just kind of the way it goes. So the next guy I wanted to talk about very briefly was only on the Mavericks for eight regular season games and six playoff games. He was an important contributor. He was Trey Burke uh, who, you know, let's just really focus on his playoff numbers in six games. He averaged 12 points, uh, three rebounds, two assists. He shot the ball very, very well and was a key part of why the Mavericks won game two and game four. Uh, I'm, I'm interested to hear what you have to say about him uh, both for the short stint. And then whether you think he has a future in Dallas.
1: Um, I think I wrote about this, but he is like, man, he's just like prototypical Mavericks guard success story. Like uh, it feels like Trey Burke couldn't have been, did what he did in the bubble in the playoffs for any other team, but Dallas, like it's just, he just feels like a guy. Dallas just gets the absolute 110% most out of, in terms of like milking the basketball ability and talent. Cause like, you know, you just kind of look at him in a vacuum and he's a small undersized point guard who isn't necessarily a pass first point guard who can't really play defense. He isn't necessarily like uh, someone that's going to run your offense so like you look at him and he's like, well, he's probably maxes out as a good bench guard, but that's hard to like incorporate with some teams depending on like how they run their offense and then the way the the lineup and the roster looks. But with the Mavs, man, if, if you can, if you can shoot and you can dribble above average, they're going to find a spot for you, this team with the way they run their heavy pick and roll offense and, and, and just the way Carlisle does things. And it just, it just made, like I was not shocked. Like, it just made sense for him to do these things, um, and it, they maybe had to lean on him too much. Like I think it was a tell that like he started. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's just, it's kind of crazy that it was like if they want to beat the Clippers, he has to keep shooting like seventy percent from the field. Like that's mm-hmm. how kind of important he was to this thing. But like he kind of looks like what I think the Mavericks probably envisioned with Dennis Smith Jr. would have done next to Luca in terms of being that off-ball guy. I like that, that. Yeah, that he doesn't need the ball in his hands. He can spot up and shoot. And when he's when he gets the ball off off a Luca action, he can, you know, he's not the guy that's going to be your primary initiator and can attack and break down a defense all on his own, a starting level defense. Right. But you put him in a secondary spot and you give him the ball after Luca's scared everyone to hell. You know, dri- driving into the lane off a of pick and roll, he can do something against that. He can he can attack a backpedaling defense and make the right play there, like uh he's you know he was college he was a college player of the year he's not like a a, a scrub uh so like he it just worked uh and and i re- and he gave them this is going to sound weird <clears throat> but you know the mavericks are very much at the rim in threes they're very much you know that they're following the analytical revolution in terms of you know n- cutting out the mid-range diet but his ability to score from all three levels in the playoffs was huge because the Clippers, you know, they would they would either drop back so they would prevent stuff at the rim or they would kind of hedge and show so they prevent you from the three but then back off. Like, you know, the Clippers very much gave the Mavericks a lot of mid-range shots and Burke is like, that's cool. I'm very comfortable stepping into a 15 to 18 footer off the bounce and canning it. And it's what he did. And you kind of need that in the playoffs as much as regular season basketball says you don't you know in the playoffs defenses are just too smart and they want to try to take away the things that you want and you need to be versatile enough in your scoring to to handle that and counteract that and in terms of him coming back I mean if Berea is not back he kind of makes sense in that spot but then it's like what about Brunson like he him and Brunson kind of occupy the same
0: same. I think Brunson's better I talked yeah. about this in our last pod uh, not Brunson. I think Burke is better than Brunson. Oh, Okay. And I, I don't know, or at least in the short burst role, because yeah. Brunson does. I, eh, I don't know. Maybe Brunson it, is
1: more of a run the offense. I mean, he's a score guy, but I think in terms of like running an offense, I think he's more probably, he's more comfortable doing that than Burke. Like, cause Burke is definitely a shoot first, shoot second guy.
0: His uh, assist numbers are pretty pretty in meaning Brunson. Brunson's assist numbers are kind of crap. Yeah. Um it's weird it's weird to look at like the data. Ryan talked about this in his review of Brunson. I to me it's just very much an either or thing. And I was high as hell on both players this year to be honest. I really enjoyed their play, but like why would you have two dudes who do the same thing?
1: Yep. And that probably means Burke gets a shorter in the stick because Brunson is younger. They've invested more into him in terms of like a high second round pick. And he, you know, he still hasn't reached his, you know, hey, he's been in the league yep. two years. So you got to see, you know, Burke is this, that, you know, Burke isn't going to turn into anything more than what he showed us. But hey, it was, it was pretty good. Uh, so I don't know. I, it wouldn't shock me if he came back though. I mean, it just, it wouldn't, even if they kept Brunson.
0: Yeah. Well, we got, a, we got about 10 minutes left on our app oh, here. And we need to talk about the sorry. guy who – no, it's fine. It's been me too. This is like we like talking about players, and I think our fans enjoy hearing us talk about them. So the, the guy we need to talk about then with our remaining time is Chris Stapps Porzingis uh, came over in a mega trade, uh, didn't play any last year, uh, suited up for 57 games this year. He averaged twenty, uh, just a hair over 20 points. Nine and a half rebounds, which was definitely a career high. Upped his assist to, uh, you know, 1.8, where you saw some really interesting passing acumen from him. Uh, His percentages across the board were in line with his career. I saw a very interesting player who way outperformed my expectations, giving his health. I, I just... I couldn't be more pleased with the season of Chris Stapp's Porzingis because it felt like a steady uphill climb. Uh, I have some concerns I'd like to get to in the end. But but overall, I just couldn't be, you know, Porzingis was great. I I was pleased.
1: Yeah, uh, I was totally ready for, you know, the way he played in October, November uh, part of December, like I was totally cool with like that being the entire season. Cause there was, I, I was just ready to give him a season to to get back into it. Cause it's, I don't think it can be said enough, the difficulty, uh, transition he faced, you know, having the ACL, he didn't play a competitive NBA basketball game for 20 months. It like a life that's an eternity, especially for a big, He's going from New York to Dallas. He's going from in New York. He can do whatever he wants. He can take whatever shot he wants. He can, he didn't really have a structured offense. He didn't have a point guard uh, worth a damn to Dallas where it's like, Hey, we have expectations. We have roles. We have responsibilities. Uh, We want you, you know, you are the clear second banana for the first time.
0: That helped a lot. Luca coming out of the gates, like being amazing really helped set expectations for him, which helped, I mean, my acceptance of him in a big way.
1: Yeah. And so like, and it's understandable. He'd struggle. Like you go from, Hey, you get the ball whenever you want. You can shoot whenever you want to, you are now a seven three shooting guard, (laughs) like the first two or three months of the season. And the only time you touch the ball is going to be an open spot up shot. And I know me and Kirk did not play very, you know, we played high school basketball and that's it, but I'm a big believer no matter what level of basketball you're playing, is if you are – if you don't touch the ball a lot and the only time you do touch it or you're expected to do something immediately with it, that's not always the best way to get into a rhythm uh, and you don't always feel comfortable. Like, you know, when you're playing, you know, just being able to touch the ball, even if you're not scoring, just being able to, like, grab it and give it to a dribble handoff or, or take it and swing it to the other end of the floor or, you know, get a, get a touch on the elbow and, and then pass it back out to the guard and then keep running through your offense. Like – that just helps you feel more comfortable in the game. It doesn't create any type of panic situation, like, oh, I gotta get the ball, I gotta shoot it, and because I, I don't know if I'm gonna get it back, and you know, all this kind of stuff. Uh, so I think when Powell went down, and he became the center. I think that, to me, that was the biggest reason why he exploded. He just he was more involved, and it wasn't just, hey, you're getting more shots. It was just more like, hey, you're gonna touch the ball more. You're gonna screen more for Luca you know, you're going to be active instead of being just kind of a bystander and standing outside the three-point line and watching the offense and then getting the ball. Like, I just don't think he's that kind of guy, even though that lineup did well, like, with, with Powell. Uh, so uh, that stretch that he had when Pal got hurt and he kind of exploded, averaging, like, 26 and 10 on, on really good shooting, I was not prepared for him to do that this season because I was really ready to give him a pass just coming back from that – really catastrophic injury so the fact that he showed that in his first season back after 20 months away from basketball like that's that was a really great sign for me like that was huge
0: so let's assume Powell comes back and they try to put him in at the starting lineup or use Powell and Porzingis together one thing I'd be interested in seeing if they do it more is interchange between powell and porzingis uh Mm -hmm. at that kind of wing shot thing that they do where porzingis was a lot obviously powell's not gonna draw the same amount of attention as porzingis but frankly eh, percentage wise they're not super far apart you're talking about (laughs) on threes yeah i mean you know, powell shoots like 30 and porzingis shoots 35
1: no kirk i'm hitting you on the nose
0: with a newspaper no threes (laughs) for powell I thought we, we established that. Okay. Okay. So I don't necessarily mean I want Powell shooting threes. I want Porzingis as the role man, not, maybe not as often, but now and again. And I, I, I could be misremembering because it's been like a year since this actually, you know, was happening, you know, last October and early November. But I feel like Porzingis was exactly what you were talking about in the sense of a very, very uh, uh, tall decoy a lot of the time. So that's, mm-hmm. that's really, I agree with you because, you know, if you go look at Porzingis' numbers, those first 20 games when the Mavericks went 13-7, and Porzingis didn't play very well. Like these guys as a whole never really played well all at the same time. And and that's wonder. I'm wondering what could happen if if like that actually clicks in that sort of circumstance. So I just have some really interesting expectations when it comes to Porzingis, but I I, I also have some trepidations. But before I get to those, I just wanted to punt back to you one more time.
1: Yeah, uh, I I can see what you what you're saying, and and I totally agree that even if it's you know it's not pal shooting threes, but they, if they're going to share the court, they can be a little bit more versatile and mix that up a little bit. And I almost wonder if the Mavericks needed to, like, they needed to like, approve it from Przingis. Cause I wonder if they had Przingis playing that role because they just didn't know what they were going to get out of him in terms of he's been gone from basketball for so long. So, like, well, let's just ease him back into the offense. Let's let him be a spot up shooter. Let's not make him, let's not give him a ton of possession. Like, I almost wonder if that's part of it. And now that they've seen what he can do uh with being more involved i wonder if that changes how they play him together with powell knowing that he has that in him
0: right right so i'm now let's get to the the i don't want to call it pessimism but just much more of kind of an interesting outlook i wanted to talk about something that i read from a a mavs colleague our our a friend of of the show sydney myers who you know writes with her own website dallas hoops Casts, primarily podcasts but you know with her and her husband but she wrote and put together a really thorough article on porzingis injury history she talked to doctors she compiled his injury history which when you read it out and you look at it on a picture is is um let's just say horrifying Uh, it also harkens back to some things that we knew before Porzingis was even part of the Mavericks. When you look at the man's injury history, nearly everything he suffered in terms of up until this torn meniscus, that's actually the key. He had a strained quad tweaked IT band, torn ACL, sore Achilles, sprained ankle, and a heel contusion all on his left side. So that he has a torn meniscus on his right side. Me and you as non-doctors, but former athletes, the torn meniscus, frankly, is not super uh, surprising. We watched him play this year, and he is a much more forceful player than I would have given him credit for uh, before he came to the Mavericks, just because I didn't watch a ton of him. And the fact that he hurt his right knee I don't want to call it a good thing because, you know, it's no injuries are a good thing, but that he suffered an injury on the side that was not the the the, the bad side where he's had everything else says to me that he's a guy who's still really working. You know, he's not close to pre uh, pre ACL form. Maybe he never really will be, but he, you know, that it's a different knee is, is evidence of the fact that he's probably putting more pressure on the right side of his body. And the Mavericks still have a lot of work to do with him and his biomechanics.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think, you know, we have tweeted, you know, (laughs) there are doctors on Twitter and physical therapists on Twitter that we've interacted with that kind of echo what you just said. Just it's likely caused by him compensating and, and it's something that it's weird that like big men that have had injuries in the pat, like Joel Embiid had this and he mm-hmm. had, uh, you know, his, his problems coming from college and his rookie year where you shut down. Um, so like this, and I, I can't remember. I feel like there's another big that's had this recently. Like this can happen uh, just because of the way, you know, like you said, you exert and you, you know, you come back from a major injury. You're not going to put. You are going to feel a little weird putting a lot of weight and pressure on the on the injured leg. You got to learn to trust it again, and you by doing that, you compensate and you put extra stress on the other leg. That's just that kind of just happens. It's not saying it's inevitable for everyone, but it's just it's fairly common in a weird way. Um, and I think it's obvious. Like I think the thing that's really scary is like this is the last knee injury that Chandler Parsons had as a Maverick. So I know people get really scared about that, but this is a different, you know, this isn't the same thing. Uh It's, this is not a degenerative issue, you know? So, you know, hopefully things are okay. And we don't even know if he's going to have surgery yet. I think the Mavericks are trying to see if they can avoid having surgery. So like, well,
0: we'll he see. should have surgery. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. I'm going <laughs> to guess that's going to happen. They're just,
0: they're just waiting he was in the weight room so like brad uh townsend of dallas morning news shared a photo from the man's instagram and it's just like he's in the weight room like clearly doing like curls and it's just like come on man i (laughs) (laughs) that stuff cracks me up but well the thing for me and and this is something that i i over the break i watched a video of tracy mcgrady Uh, It was one of those like weird biomechanic YouTube videos and how often that man landed on his left knee when taking like preposterous shots. And I don't mean like left knee, I mean like left leg. When you're playing, you know, 65 to 82 to maybe up to 100 games in a season, that sort of wear and tear is a huge human being is inevitably going to affect your body. And the thing that I hope that the Mavericks work on with Porzingis in the offseason is I hope they work on how he lands because it's awful. That man is reckless. And it's wonderful to watch in game because it's just, uh, it feels like very like seven foot three Sean Kemp but <laughs> he likes to hard like hard yeah it's awesome it's <laughs> but it's also horrifying and yeah. like i just worry the fact that he did you know the fact that he played two games with a torn meniscus is insane and he in had a retrospect. really good
1: game the second one didn't he like 30 something points he's so really he
0: was in a lot of pain because i mean yeah. folks let me tell you i've torn my meniscus i i uh, almost died from a post-surgical infection <sighs> it is a strange sensation when your meniscus is torn. The, it doesn't necessarily hurt as much as it feels... It's it's ah, something's not right. It's like you're you're driving your car and you feel something clicking underneath the pedals, but you don't know where. And that's kind of what it was like uh, for me. And I'm assuming something similar with an athlete like KP, because he's having to jump up and down. My fat ass was just walking up and down the stairs and, you know, going outside and chasing my kid around. So I can't (laughs) imagine what that dude was going through. So I don't know. I'm 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 cautiously optimistic, as I think I will be for some time. Um, but it's, it's one of these things that I don't entirely know, uh, what to expect. I do think that this is something that should open him up, uh, or at least open the Mavericks up to understanding that he may need to be, he, he, I'm not sure he's a Maverick all five years of his contract with something like this going on. Is that crazy?
1: No, I don't think it's super crazy. Cause you know, it, we don't know, like. We can be cautiously optimistic that this is an injury that is not you know not ideal but not killer, but we won't know till we see him back just the same way that we won't know before this season started. You have no idea how how guys are gonna be uh the one thing that I'll say though is that like of all the parts of the Mavericks organization, the part I trust the most is probably the training staff okay so uh i will I will give them all the credit in the world and whatever decisions they make. Whatever they tell Cuban and Donnie Nelson, I'm usually, it's usually the right one. Like when you look back at the Mavericks history at this, there hasn't been a ton of times where they've struck out on a guy because of health or a guy's health killed them uh, or like strapped them long term. So uh, I feel confident they'll be, w- whether that means Chris Stupp's on another team or whether that means he's going to be great for the rest of the his time here. I just feel confident. This is the one part of the Mavericks. I'm like, okay, I think they'll, they'll do the right thing. They'll make the right choice.
0: I like it well you know this is our season review there's more guys we could have talked about yell about us yell at us if you if we didn't cover them correctly um there's been some technical snafus all of them caused by me on this podcast so if you've made it through with some of the choppy editing that i'm going to do here in a few minutes i appreciate it we will be back soon uh we have a special edition of a podcast coming from our man ryan mainville Uh, Coming out Friday, he's talking with the director of scouting at Babcock Babcock Hoops about, you know, some Dallas potential prospects we should consider. With the draft getting set uh, on November 18th, we finally kind of have a little bit of a window with where we're going to be doing uh, coverage. Uh, I would assume that would put uh, NBA free agency probably the week before Christmas, which, ugh. (laughs) <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know I, it is it, it is what it is. It's, it's going to be we're, we're going to kind of continue to come to you with coverage as we're able to. Uh, we want to have continuous content for Mavs uh, fans, but I'm, it's also kind of, you know, threading the needle between talking about the same thing every three weeks for, you know, five months. Uh, I have some ideas. Josh has some ideas. We're going to be talking to you. I think uh, both Josh and I may actually start reaching out to different people within the basketball community that we know to talk to them about the Mavericks last season and then as things to come. So as always, we appreciate your support. I would hope that you have gone and, and reviewed our podcast. Like I've asked if you, if you haven't yet, please try. Uh, this is something that really helps us as we try to expand our audience. As always, we welcome your reviews and feedback. Josh, do you have anything before we get out of here?
1: no except uh the draft <laughs> as much as it's weird to sound like the draft matters again 18th pick 30th pick those are 31st 31st sorry those are good picks those are not throwaway picks so we'll we'll see what that we'll see what happens it's it's off season man it's time things are happening I'm, kind of
0: i'm looking forward to it because the guys who cover our draft they love the draft, drafts. draft like love it <laughs> like to the point to where you and i like i i love me some some ian and and he wrote a a monstrous piece coming out friday that i'm gonna have to edit down i'm looking forward to it but you know that's that this has been uh, josh and kirk uh thank you for spending part of your day with us and we will talk to you soon